Welcome to the Wits and Weights podcast, where we discuss getting strong and healthy with strength training and sustainable nutrition. I'm your host, Philip Pape, and in each episode, we examine strategies to help you achieve physical self-mastery through a healthy skepticism of the fitness industry and a commitment to consistent nutrition and training for sustainable results. Welcome to another episode of Wits and Weights, and we are streaming live in the Wits and Weights Facebook group, and we just renamed it recently to that, so it's easier to find. Um, you can join the group absolutely free, get access to tons of free information, guides, training, and interviews like this one, which is an early preview to what will become a podcast episode, and tons more related to strength and nutrition. You can find the link in the show notes. I'm your host, Philip Pape. I'm the founder of Wits and Weights Nutrition Coaching, and real quick, one of the best ways to support the show is to submit a five-star rating and review for the podcast with Apple or Spotify, or just share the episode. You could take a screenshot, throw it on social media, tag me at Wits and Weights. Okay, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while because one of my superstar clients, Tyla Ciro, is joining me today to share her journey. She was actually my first interview guest way back in episode 17, um, before we started working together on her nutrition plan. And she even planted the idea of me becoming a nutrition coach. So I'm very grateful for that. I've always admired her, I'll say, tireless positive energy. She has a passion for everything she does, whether it's fitness or any other causes she's involved in, and her commitment to the process, you know, despite challenges thrown her way. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Tyla Ciro. Tyla is a powerlifter. She's a mom of a toddler. She's a military spouse, and she's a working professional. She keeps herself busy lifting heavy weights. She volunteers with protectors of animals, and she does all this while working full-time as a configuration manager in the aerospace industry. Tyler recently acquired the title of Connecticut State Referee for the United States Powerlifting Association, the USPA, and she's going to be judging an upcoming powerlifting meet next month. So we're recording this in October, and the meet is in November, and maybe we'll put a link up to that when it's, when it's out. She's passionate about raising awareness of primary lymphedema, a rare disease that her son was born with. And when she's not doing all of these things, she enjoys the outdoors with her family, and she truly believes that an active lifestyle is one of the many hacks to living your best life. So Tyler, I'm stoked to have you on the show to share your story, the ups and downs, all the success you've had this year. <clears throat> I think you're a true inspiration, and thank you for coming on. Thanks, Philip. So last time you were on the show, we talked about your powerlifting journey. We did. Uh, we did. And we talked, so listen to that episode 17, guys. And today I want to dive into nutrition with you. So let's just start earlier right. this year. What I remember is you'd been listening to the podcast. It was maybe 10 episodes in at that point. You reached out to me to give me some feedback. And then we started to go back and forth from there. And that eventually led to your interview on the show, becoming a coaching client and so on. So walk us through what was going through your mind when you first reached out to me. And then we'll go from there. So, um, do you mean when I, I, I think you reached out to me first, right? And you asked, I think the first said was, Hey, do you want to be on, um, the podcast and talk about powerlifting? And so I was really excited. Uh, I thought that would be really fun. So I quickly binged all of the episodes of wits and weights. So that way I would, well, one, I had agreed to being on the show before I had listened to any episodes and um, in hindsight, you know, you probably should feel out the 
the whatever it is that you're agreeing to do, right? Because I had no idea what message or messages you were putting out there. Um, so I quickly listened to, I think, all of the episodes in a couple of days. And I was really impressed with everything that you had to say. Um, you definitely took an approach that I agreed with. Um, everything made a lot of sense. Sorry, hang on one second. My cat is trying to eat my dinner. Um, so yeah, you, you part were, of the fun of it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you were you were saying a lot of good stuff, and I was like, wow, this guy's really smart. Um, and I had no idea. I, I had followed you on Instagram, and I knew you were lifting weights and doing things like that, but I didn't know that you knew so much about strength and conditioning, uh, health in general. And I almost felt a little embarrassed myself for kind of like, I've said this more recently to Philip that I consider myself a lazy athlete and that I don't know a lot of the reasons why I do the things that I do. Like I've always worked with a coach for my programming. Um, and I wasn't really sure why I did those specific, specific movements. I just did them and I saw great results. So uh, listening to Philip's podcast inspired me to listen to more content like that. I mostly listen to like true crime podcasts, <laughs> which is a completely different genre. Uh, so I, that kind of gave me a bug to listen to more content like that and become more interested in like what is progressive overload and how does all that work and why is nutrition such a big important part of all of all of that. So yeah, so... Yeah, you you invited me on the podcast, liked it, thought it was great. Um, I think after our interview, I probably was like, "Hey, Philip, you should be a coach. You're really good at talking and smart. Why would why wouldn't you do this?" Yeah, it's funny. So, I mean, I love everything you talked about with education and awareness. Even though you've been at this for years, and thank you for correcting my memory of all of this because I get, I get things out of out of order. <laughs> I, you're right. I had invited you onto the show, and then you listened to it, and then got back to yes. about it. So thank you for for correcting me there um, live, which is great. And <clears throat> uh, when we started working together, so yeah, you're right. After the last interview, we were off camera, or off recording, mm -hmm. and we had a, ch a little chat about nutrition and coaching, and mm -hmm. that kind of planted the seed. But as you said, you already have the solid foundation of of practice, at least, of strength. Uh, obviously, as a competitive powerlifter, you'd work with nutrition coaches. Um, so maybe tell us a little bit more about your fitness and nutrition goals, maybe just over the last year as you were working okay. through that process. Yep. So I was working with um, <clears throat> some other coaches right up until I made the switch to work with you uh, once you decided to... Um, you know, take on the commitment of becoming a certified nutrition coach. And I have nothing but great things to say about my, my previous coach. Um, she did a really good job. I guess the onus was on me that I wasn't really good at adhering to the protocols that I was given. Um, I know I, when I first started working with them, I was in the beginning, I was very compliant, adherent to the macros and, um, I was able to meet the milestones or goals that I was setting. And then as time kind of went on, I just became less and less interested in tracking, really. So we tried to switch the approach to intuitive eating, um, which was so funny. Right when I made that switch to intuitive eating, I, I was intuitive eating at the time. And I listened to one of your episodes where you talked about that. And you were like, for people who are brand new to mm -hmm. the tracking and... Um, 
nutrition and whatnot, it's really not a good idea because it's really hard, especially if you don't have any foundation of weighing food and knowing what an appropriate portion is based on the goals that you have. It can be really hard to just what is a serving of protein that really depends right on how many grams of protein you need in that um, one meal. So I did have a pretty good foundation. I was pretty comfortable, I guess, with what a balanced plate or meal looks like. So I did do intuitive eating for a couple of um, months, kind of as my exit with the previous coaches that I was working with. And um, at that point, I had gained a decent amount of weight, I want to say around like 10 pounds um, in like a year's time. And uh, that was kind of weird for me because normally my weight would fluctuate maybe like hmm, three to five pounds, but 10 seemed like kind of drastic. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't really, wasn't really comfortable with that number. I was like, oh, my clothes are starting to feel really tight and uncomfortable. Like what's going on? I got to dial my nutrition mm-hmm. in a bit. So when I started working with you, I definitely knew that that was the goal. Now, however, like I said, I've been strength training and working with coaches on nutrition and whatnot, but I've never done a true caloric deficit and actually stuck with it ever. Um, so I'm super proud that I was able to do that with you. Yeah. 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 That's so awesome. And, and I want to, so you said you were, you had tracked before you then went to intuitive eating. Of course we, we track and you put it really well. You put it better than I can about, um, you know, somebody who isn't quite experienced using tracking to develop that skill before they go to intuitive eating. But if we go even before that, um, had you, had you tried other like dieting in the past, you know, kind of what a lot of people try, whether it's paleo, whole 30 keto, vegetarian, anything like that. Had you tried those in the past? I, yeah. I mean, I think all of us who have been doing this for five plus 10 years, um, you, you try it all, right? Like I, right. I can remember in high school, even, um, thinking that like sugar was the enemy. So anything I would like read lab- that's when I started to learn to read labels too, probably in like a home economics class. And man, you know, you'd start reading labels and just certain things were bad. So anything that had added sugar, I would try to avoid that. But I would find that like you restrict yourself so much and then you end up binging it. Um, So I I remember I did something like that where I basically cut out all added sugars. But at the end of the day, like a carb is a carb, right? Um, So that, of course, didn't work. And then in my first few years of college, I started doing CrossFit. And at the time, paleo was super, super big with all the Mm -hmm. CrossFit people. Um, And I was like, oh, yeah, I can get behind that. Like, I love meat and potatoes and, yeah, no carbs. Um, So I did – I I don't think that I ever did any of these diets truly, but I tried, right? Fully dogmatically, yeah. (laughs) A low-carb diet, didn't really know what I was doing, didn't have a legitimate training plan, was just going in the gym, finding random workout stuff of bodybuilding.com and slinging weight at my uh, college gym. But – it, it worked, I guess. Um, so I'd say, I'd say I, I probably gave paleo the most effort, but it was also probably drinking way too much alcohol on the weekends and stuff like that. And I don't think that's part of the paleo plan. Uh, I never tried keto. I did try the carnivore diet for maybe mm-hmm. like two, two weeks. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, no, <laughs> that's gotta be tough, right? Cause you're cutting out all plants. I think I, I can't even remember. It was like yeah. orange juice, eggs, a lot of red meat. Yeah. Uh, just inter- really interesting stuff. I mean, hey, if it works for you, keep doing it. But um, 
Yeah. So, and that's the question is, is do these things even work for people? And when we say work, what do we mean? Do we mean work to lose 30 pounds or do we mean work for something you can live with for the rest of your life? Right. And I think you put it really basic. Like uh, you've said this before, maybe you haven't said it specifically, but other people have, like, it doesn't really, I mean, it does, it does matter what you're eating, but you need to be in a caloric deficit in order to lose weight. It's as simple as that. And, um, how you choose to fuel yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's better options maybe, but uh, uh, other than that, I think uh, those were the, the few diets. I never tried like whole 30. I never did any like cleanses or mm-hmm. all those, like I would call typical, like a lot of women will do like whole 30 or um, like, I feel like keto is pretty popular with women too, but like I'll mm-hmm. talk. I remember listening to an episode, I think of Joe Rogan um, on the keto diet real the real subject of it and like to get yourself into a true state of ketosis is pretty difficult to do and i don't think Mm -hmm. the average dieter uh can get themselves there without the help of an experienced probably coach so none of those things worked for me none of those things were sustainable yep so they so they didn't work yeah no they didn't work and they and for a lot of people they uh, you you hear time and again they they tend to not work that's why we have i think something like 95% 95% of people eventually regain all their weight uh, within five years. It's something like that. So we're trying to change that. And I want you to talk about what you've learned, even, even since we've started working together, about the process that others can use when it comes to your relationship with food. And, and where I'm going with this is you mentioned energy balance is important, right, for gaining mm-hmm. and losing weight, calories in, calories out. But we also know that it's not as easy. It's simple, but not as easy for people to actually do that in practice due to a bunch of other reasons that have nothing to do with food, right? Mm-hmm. Like weekends, you know, or social mm-hmm. events. And maybe we can dive a little bit into that, the process we kind of go through to identify those triggers, those obstacles and things that have nothing to do with food and, and deal with those. Yeah, weekends. So I I always uh, tell people that there's a huge like... Um, for me personally, food, there's an emotional connection that I have with food. I love food. I love sharing a meal with friends, family, um, even a stranger. I, there, I can sit down and tr- drink some coffee and eat, you know, a croissant or whatever, any delicious thing. And I feel like, um, there's some level of joy that that brings me. And then also that like conversation as well. And they just seem to go really well together. And I always tell people I have like really good discipline, but I have terrible self control. <laughs> so I'm disciplined in the sense that like I typically don't like people come over my house and they're like, you guys have no snacks. And I'm like, well, yeah, like what's the point of snacks? Like just put together a meal. Um, and the snacks I do have, I guess my friends don't approve of. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, they're thinking like bagged, packaged foods, right? Like chips and stuff. Cheez-Its and pretzels and things like that. And like, they don't want cut up cucumbers with hummus. They want, (laughs) no, or they don't like my peanut butter because the oil separates. Um, but, uh, yeah. So if, if, so back to the discipline self-control thing, right? Like I typically don't buy that stuff. I just buy stuff that I know I can eat and appropriately. So that way I'm not like binging it. Right, Whereas, so you control your environment. In that right. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But if I go out to like a social gathering and there's a huge charcuterie board with a ton of cheese and jellies and jams and crackers, 
my self-control is like really hard because it's there and it's in front of me and I'm like, well, I'm just going to eat it. Mm-hmm. And um, I tend to be like the type of person and you've actually taught me like if you go over your macros by like 100, 200 calories, it's not a big deal. But don't just like say screw it and like I hope I can say that. Yeah. Um whatever, like, I'm just gonna, you know, binge all these and just go a 1000 over your macros, Mm -hmm. which I personally kind of had that all or nothing mindset. And I'm still working on like not being that person. um, Because it can be really detrimental to your goals and progress, right? Like, a couple, a couple hundred calories is, is maybe not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But when you're doing that on a weekly basis, every weekend, you're going over by a ton. Um, it's just going to take you longer if you're in, if you're in a deficit and you're trying to lose weight. So yeah, yeah, and and, and let me just stop there because you just hit on the the. I think that's the heart of the vast majority of people uh, where the issue is. You just talked about a lack of self control, and so it basically comes down to emotion and in the moment decision making. You're all of a sudden presented with all these options. You're like, what do I do? And then you make a decision and you're like, oh, I feel a little guilty, you know, and I'm a right. little bit over my calories, but what the hell, let me just keep going. And, and especially if you throw alcohol into the mix where you don't even realize how much you're eating or you throw appetizers at the Mexican restaurant or whatever, right. yeah, it adds up. And like you said, on a weekly basis, it can, it can sabotage your goals. But conversely, if you're over by a hundred or 200 on a given day, on a weekly basis, it really isn't that big of a deal. Don't mm-hmm. beat yourself up over it. For you sure. know, aim for perfection, but don't beat yourself up when you don't get there. That's yeah, good. Yeah, and you, and you really helped me see that too. With like, um, I tend to be because of my personality, and I feel like I tend to be somewhat of a perfectionist. And if things aren't perfect, I'm like, well, it's ruined. <clears throat> Just forget mm-hmm. it. Um, and That's you would help area. me in, in during my like weekly check ins see like the positive sides of things and be like, yeah, I know you, you like, like I was focusing a lot in the beginning on my scale weight, um, and not the trend weight. Like every day I was like, like getting excited to, to weigh in. Um, and, and it would fluctuate a little bit, but I'd be like, woohoo, when it would fluctuate down some. And then it it took me a couple, like maybe a month or two to really be like, okay, I really need to be looking at the trend weight here. Because I would mention that in my check-in and be like, oh, you know, my scale weight fluctuates a little bit. And you're like, yeah, but when you like look out at the big picture, your trend weight is still going down. And, and that's what we're trying to do here. So I was like, oh, okay. Like adjusting my mindset in a way that um, I didn't even know I was capable of doing really. So That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's another great point you made about a trend weight. Now, that that's the term we use because the app we use, Macrofactor, uses that term. But just for the listener or the, the person watching, all we're talking about is a moving average, right? If you did right. this on your own in a spreadsheet, it would be taking a moving average or even if you weighed yourself once or twice a week and just looked at it over time. But what Tyler's saying is that if you if you look at your – on any given day, you look at the scale, you could freak out because it could go up by three pounds or it could go down by three pounds. And over time, it, the trend is really what matters, right? So mm-hmm. – um, when so speaking of the the weight and the data and the tracking and the macros, you mentioned tracking macros and you went to intuitive and then we I got you back to that. Yep. Um, when did you start tracking those and why? With you or it, like ever? Yeah, just more of a general question for for the listener. But I mean, <laughs> um, like, do you think people should track macros? Why should they do it? You you alluded to earlier, right? As there's the education and awareness piece, but I mean, is there more to it than that? 
Um, so that's a really interesting question. Uh, mm-hmm. Short answer is no, I don't think everybody should track macros. I think mm-hmm. we're probably a very small minority in the world, right? Like the average person probably does not track macros. Um, and I think it goes, so there's so much to this with wellness and health and nutrition and also mindset. And I think that um, a lot of people who maybe get into this space or they want to lose weight, there could be a huge emotional connection to that. Um, and it may not come from like the healthiest of places. Like if their, their goal is primarily, like, I just want to lose weight. I want to look better. Like I hate the way I feel or look, um, tracking macros. If you've never done it before, could be a really hard thing to do. And, uh, the whole point I, well, I'm not a coach, but I would assume as like a coach, you want to help people. You want to like create sustainable habits that will work for a lifetime. And is tracking macros something that you can do for a lifetime? I mean, I mean, maybe you can, but I don't think that's really anybody's long-term goal. Um, and the average person too, I don't know. I don't know if it will work super well for them, but I think you yourself have to really figure out like, okay, well, what am I trying to do here? Um, and I think you've taught me to see that like all of this is just data. It's just data. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you separate the emotion from it and you just seriously look at it as like data, because that's one thing to say too about um, the app that we use, Macro Factor. With previous coaches and apps that I would use for tracking, I would not be truthful. I would often mm-hmm. underestimate or not track things. And then when I would, you know, my coach would see, okay, this is what your weight's doing. This is what you're telling me. This is what you logged. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like I was doing myself a disservice by not being 100% honest. And what I really like about macro factor is like it is, and you see it live time that it is not in your best interest to not track what you eat. Mm-hmm. Because if you do that, it's going to think that your expenditure is less than what it actually is. Mm-hmm. So you should track everything. And if you're not going to track, then just don't track for that day. Um, but I mean, I get it. Depending on like your lifestyle and your your goals, it, it may not be for everyone. I will say that if, if you're serious about wanting to lose weight or gain weight or um, understand the, the data and how all of this stuff does work, it's definitely going to probably be the easiest way to do to reach those goals. Um, yeah. It works. Yep. I, yeah, I like, yeah, I like how you put that. It, it's the easiest way you know, something that seems complicated or seems uh, inconvenient or seems like it'll take much time. Once once you figure it out, it's a skill, right? Mm-hmm. Within days, you can start to figure out how to do it pretty quickly where it just takes a few minutes out of your day. Yes. But what Tyler just said, what you just said was, if I interpret it, is the structure itself creates the freedom kind of to get to your goals. Because now we have information, we have understanding. And you talked about expenditure. And just so we can clarify what we're talking about, that's that's the metabolism. That's the calories you burn every day. If you know what you're eating and you know what you weigh, then you know how much you're burning every day. So your coach, if, you ha- if you're working with a coach or yourself, you know then, okay, uh, this is why I'm gaining or losing weight. There's always a, a factual reason behind it. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean there's not other things at play like stress, sleep, hormones, especially for, mm-hmm. for women, especially in you know, perimenopause, there are a lot of factors, but um, you've got you've to rule out all these variables one by one. So I, I right. like wh- what you said about macros. Um, my clients, I'll, I'll, I'll use those 
But if someone came to me and said, I really don't have a good relationship with macros, I don't want to do it. Is there another way? Of course, there's always an alternative. It's going to be slightly less optimal and slightly less effective from a time perspective, but from an emotional perspective, it might be what the person needs, you know, like using portions or just tracking protein or something like that. So that's one thing. uh, These are all great points, Tyler. Yeah. One thing that I think is, um, you know, interesting. uh, What was I going to say? I can't remember. Um, I rambled on. (laughs) uh, Maybe it'll come back. Okay. Yeah. This, this is a stream of consciousness type deal. We go off on tangents. It's all good. Um, yeah. All right, so let's switch. Let's switch from macros. Think about so far. What would you say is your most proud moment on this journey so far? One actually, like it, it's crazy. So it's October now. Um, we started this in July, and there were definitely some hard days and weeks and feeling like and and that's the whole thing too is if you're in a caloric deficit you're eventually going to feel it you're going to have nights where you're like i'm hungry right now i need to just go to bed and mm-hmm. tomorrow's a new day and maybe i'll make better or different choices i don't want to say better or worse cuz it's whatever but make different choices when it comes to the volume of food that i'm consuming so i feel a little bit more full tomorrow um so it was it it wasn't easy. It definitely wasn't easy to do it. Uh, it took a, a ton of like discipline and self-control and um, saying no to certain circumstances. Not that I did that all the time. I did. I will. I'm not going to sit here and say like, I didn't have any fun this summer. I went out. I enjoyed myself. I did limit the alcohol though. Um, I would say in total, I maybe had five, five total drinks during this whole deficit. For me, alcohol is just not a big priority. It's not worth the additional calories. I'd rather have ice cream. Um, Mm -hmm. so pick your vice, but you can't have it all or you shouldn't, or it's just going to take forever. (laughs) (laughs) But you could have some of it. So that's the part of of the point here. Absolutely. You you can, you can have like, you can't not. And and I think that's the whole point of two. It's like, you can eat just about anything in a deficit. You just might be eating less. So, um, you know, for me, watching, they're eating ice cream. I know. Watch, like, yes. yeah. <laughs> for me, um, I, I got addicted to like Yasso bars, which they're just frozen Greek yogurt. I think they range in calories from like a hundred to maybe 150 for the like chocolate covered ones. Uh, they're super, super macro friendly. So those are a good ice cream alternative. If you are in a deficit, um, we just started and we, buying. And when we food. say macro friendly, you mean high protein? No, they're not. They're not high protein. They're They're just, they're like a hundred calories. So they're probably like 15 to 18 grams of carbs and low fat and probably not much protein. Um, I'm not somebody who ever has an issue with hitting my protein. That's true. I'm I'm always (laughs) over. Um, Which is fine. You you can never be too far over. The protein's fine. Yeah. Protein can be hard for somebody who's, who's not ever tracked it. Right. Cause like, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think of the average, what does the average person eat for breakfast? Maybe a bagel, maybe some cereal, nope. some fruit, oatmeal. None nope. of those things are high in protein. Um, so people, Americans love carbs. I mean, I'm an American, so I can say that. I don't know what other cultures like. They probably like carbs too. Who doesn't? Hey, this is Philip Pape, letting you know that applications are now open for one-on-one coaching. If you're a busy working professional who has tried dieting and exercising for years with little in the way of results, and you want to lose fat, 
get lean, or feel confident in your body without excessive dieting, cardio, or restrictions, just go to witsandweights.com slash coaching to apply. You're going to be getting a lot more carbs now, though, because you're going to be in a big phase here. I don't know how here. to handle it. I know. I need to do the reverse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Tyler's talking about, so we just finished a, she, she said she finished a deficit. She just finished about a 15 pound fat loss phase, I think, yeah. r- roughly. Uh, and it was over a reasonable time span, about three we- about three months, about the time yeah. we want to do, 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And she was able to enjoy most things that she enjoys, but some trade-offs and some restraint involved. Um, and now we're going to turn it around and try to build some muscle, which is going to be a different, I'm going to be telling her to eat more food. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's only been, well, I'll say like a week, but last week was kind of crazy for me nutrition wise yeah. this week. Um, I didn't do it today, but tomorrow I need to actually like divide. What I like to do is like, so take my macros and then divide it by like the number of meals that I plan on having, which is usually four or five. Uh, and then try to make a balanced meal within those those targets and I always like to give myself a range so if I'm like all right I need to have about 25 to 35 grams of protein per meal Mm -hmm. 35 to 50 grams of carbs per meal and then fat same type of thing usually probably 10 to 15 for my macros adjust as um whatever your macros are but yeah I'd say my proudest moments are actually completing a deficit losing weight doing my check-ins on a weekly basis. That was something I was pretty bad at with my previous coach. I just, I could, they could not get me to do my check-in. And I will say, if you're not a client of Philip's and you're considering working with a coach, Philip has a pretty awesome setup. Also use macro factor. Also get a digital scale. Like these were all things that you gave as advice in your podcast. And I actually took it and I was like, wow, this made a huge difference to be able to just step on the scale in the morning and poof, it beams to my phone. I did have a little bit of issues in the in the beginning with that. I think, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was my Bluetooth or something, but um, it makes it so much easier. And again, going back to one of the first things I said when I joined this call was I'm a lazy athlete. A lot of us like to be lazy. I think you even maybe said that. That's why mm-hmm. you like to make a lot of processes Streamline systems and process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because like you want to take the the easier lazy way out. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and if you make something easier, you're probably more likely to be compliant with it, right? If something is hard, you're not going to want to do it. So thanks to all of the advice Philip gave, um, I hacked my way to make things more streamlined, more easy. So that way, when I do my check in now, instead of it taking me. 45 minutes to complete, it takes me 15. Um, and uh, yeah, one of the apps that you use for clients is super great because it's like a dashboard and it's got all your data right there. So if you have like a smartwatch, you can connect that and you can see your step data, your sleep data, your weight, um, your measurements, progress photos. That's really cool to have that all there. The, the previous coaches that I was working with, I had it in like a Google Docs thing and the thing was like, over a hundred pages long, it was just a mess. It was really hard to like actually compare data points. Working with you has made that really easy to do, and it's great. Cool. So I didn't tell Tyler to say any of this stuff about about me, my coaching. So I appreciate it. Um, Big plug. And uh, no, no, that's great. <laughs> but but uh, I'm like, make sure to get that in there. Um, but she did. But I do. You really hit on a point when you talk about 
the proudest moment being not just getting the result, which I know everybody wants the result, but the skills that allowed you to hear, be compliant and have consistency toward the result, which is something you can carry forward. I mean, for the rest of your life. And that's one thing we all struggle with is doing it and doing it regularly and then continuing to do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And a coach can help because, you know, they poke you and they give you that extrinsic motivation. But of course you have to do it yourself as well at the same time. And your comment about systems and process and efficiency and tools. Yeah. I mean, we come from engineering backgrounds. We're techies and stuff like that. So we understand um, sometimes the value of that, as long as it makes sense, as long as it pushes things forward. Mm -hmm. Um, So the other, the other piece besides the doing it part is, and the accountability is the education, right? You know, I'm a huge fan of education awareness. Anybody listening or watching knows this, um, of helping you understand why we do things as opposed to saying, just do it because I said so. So you can call it evidence-based, science-based, just stuff that works, whatever. Uh, What's something you've learned that was like a big aha moment or um, something that changed your perspective or mindset about nutrition concepts? Um, (laughs) Just one thing. You've already mentioned a few, so. I've learned a lot. Um, I feel like there was something, can I just do like a kind of silly, this isn't really science evidence-based, but it was something really interesting that you taught me when I first started working with you mm-hmm. is like, um, like it's, if, if it's, you're, if you think it's going to take too much time to like weigh out all your food, like weigh your plate and then just like weigh the total weight. And then I think it was like subtract out the weight of the plate or something like that. And then you can kind of like break it apart. Let's say you had, you know, this much protein, this much vegetable, mm-hmm. this much carb, you can divide that by what it looked like. And that's a pretty good estimate. So what do you say? Is it 20%, 30% of what you want to be? 20%, right? Yeah, yeah. I, 30, actually. If you're within 30%, 30? of okay. your estimate. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that that's something that I learned, too, that the whole 30% thing, like, um, you just have to be close, really. And, like, that'll pretty much work or get you to where you want to be. Um, it doesn't need to be perfect, which is something that maybe my personality type being, like, type A, perfectionist, mm. it's got to be perfect. Every little detail, like, it doesn't need to be perfect. You just need to be consistent and you need to be really consistent. Mm-hmm. So like something, um, I think you maybe mentioned this in one of your podcast episodes too. In the beginning, you said like, I don't, if you're just like doing a splash of creamer in your coffee, like whatever, don't track it, but you need to be consistent with that. If you're not going to track it, don't mm-hmm. ever track it. Don't just start tracking it. Like on Tuesdays, you track your creamer. Sure. Um, I don't really track my almond milk because I do unsweetened almond milk. And it's like 15 calories like for a whole water. giant cup. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So that's something I never really have tracked. Um, I mean, and I, I still was able to do a deficit, lose weight. It was fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that. These, the, all these little hacks and skills they add up. I mean, the, the 30% you're talking about, just so people know is the, it's better to track within 30% than not track at all when it comes to trying to understand your intake. And that's what mm-hmm. I was saying is if you go to a restaurant and you have a bunch of food, you don't know what's in it, you kind of eyeball it or you take a picture and later on you just uh, estimate, you know, how many grams and and split it up by the ingredients. And I think Tyler, you were talking about specifically if you're like at home and you have the plate, you can yeah. weigh everything on the plate, somebody serves you, and then you can weigh the empty plate, subtract the difference and then divide it. And we're making it sound maybe a little complicated, but it, it's, these are helpful skills <laughs> when you get into tracking with food scales, you know? Yeah. So, good stuff. Yeah. 
So that was one thing that I learned. I mean, Philip literally does like tips of the day every day. I don't know. He's got like a ton of content because I would try to do that for a few days and run out real quickly. <laughs> but um, it, it's usually like really helpful tidbits of information that sometimes it might seem like, oh, yeah, that's obvious. And then other times it's like, oh, wow, I had no idea that that's how that worked. And it's just a quick little knowledge drop. Um that I find really useful. So please keep doing it. I look cool. forward to them. Even if I don't get to read it right away, I usually will catch up on it. Um, and yeah. And, and one of the tricks is that, that a lot of the information comes from, you know, clients and people watch podcasts and people ask questions and it's like, everybody has something they, they're trying to figure out. And so, mm-hmm. you know, even if 99 people have heard it, the hundredth person hasn't. So if it's going to resonate with somebody and help somebody out, that's what we try to do. Right. Awesome. Now, um, we, you kind of, we touched a little bit on the weekends and the dining out. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we can go a little bit more into the strategy, one or two of the strategies we use for planning ahead. You know, we, weekends for you <clears throat> had been, and maybe, maybe continue to be a challenge because the routine is off, right? And you're going out and you, you talked about um, a little bit earlier today about if you had the charcuterie and what do you do, but what is the strategy we use ahead of time to plan for that, that. Other other people struggle with this. So what, what do you think right. might work in that situation? Yeah. So um, I really liked your approach to my struggles with the weekends because you didn't just one like rain on my parade and be like, you need to stop doing that. Uh, you were never, you were always like, okay, you know what? Like these are a few options that we could try. So you came at it with several ideas, which was great. People love choices. Um you know, even my toddler who's two loves to make a choice. I give him an an option. Like Mm -hmm. these are the two shirts you can wear today. And he likes to pick one. Um, so that was great. I was able to choose from several options that you gave. And one of them, the one that I chose was we can do higher calorie days on Saturday and Sunday. Now this may not be the most optimal thing for your training because ideally you want to have higher food days on the days that you're working out. Um, but we know that like you're consistently not meeting your macros on the weekends. So what we'll do is we'll shift your caloric intake. So Monday through Friday, your calories will be slightly dipped and then Saturday and Sunday, they'll be slightly higher, nothing drastic, um, but enough wiggle room. So that way, if anything, it was almost just like a mental thing for me too. Mm -hmm, So on the mm -hmm. weekends, I feel like, I don't know, I was treating myself or having a little bit more um, less structure than I do during the week. Uh, yeah, which I you, feel you like kind of bank to those calories. To yeah. That. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, especially, you know, if you've got like a family and you're, you know, the weekend's going to be busy and you don't want to like show up to all of your events with packed Tupperware ma- meals. I mean, maybe you're that person and you're dedicated and good for you, but it's hard for me to be that person. I, I mm-hmm. like to enjoy myself. Um, not that you can't enjoy yourself with a Tupperware meal. You absolutely can. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a great strategy. If you're listening, very very simple strategy, right? Is to just um, toggle your calories during the week, and it may not be the weekend for you. It may be Friday, it may be Wednesday. Mm -hmm. It depends on your schedule. And then we just we kind of joked about it earlier today uh, that now that Tyler's eating more, and we're going to be eating even more food shortly for a building phase. I said, why don't we just stop doing that for now? Because you're going to have so many more calories to work with. You may, you may mm-hmm. want those calories during the week while you're training to support your muscle growth. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. 
yeah, that, I'm I'm excited to see how that how that goes. Like you said, yeah, uh, it's it's yeah. A, it's real nice to go from being in a caloric deficit to now eating at well, what we're trying to find as my maintenance. Um, my husband's yeah. actually doing a cut right now. <laughs> You're going to overtake him on the couch. I'm like, I keep joking with him. Like, you know, you could have done this a couple of months ago and we could have done this together and it would have been a Uh, lot easier because, you know, at night he would be eating his snacks and I'd be sitting there like so sad and, oh, I want to have that. And now it's kind of the opposite way around. Like, my maintenance calories are just below what his like deficit calories are. And he's like, this makes no sense. I'm a big guy. So it's two different goals. It's two different goals. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I you told know. him too. I was like, just stick with it or you're going to be doing it longer. Yeah. And, 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 and if, and if you're doing it the right way, you're, you're going to, you're going to be in a cut for a quarter of the time that you're not, or, you know, one, a one to three ratio of cutting to building or maintaining. That's mm-hmm. the goal, right? Is so that yep. like nine months out of the year, you don't have to be dieting. And then the three months where you are, it doesn't have to be that bad. You know, it might be a little tougher the first time you do it, but then after that, it should get better. I will say too, that the deficit gave me like a confidence boost in that now that I know I can do it, uh, I actually am excited to like almost take charge, be in control of like yes. my, my fitness, my health. Um, yes. Whereas before I was kind of just ah, going through the motions of lifting and eating and like, oh, I've gained like 10 pounds, time to dial that in. But now it's really exciting to be like, hey, you just successfully did a caloric deficit. You can do anything. Um, not that I think I'll ever do like a bodybuilding show or something like that. That takes some serious mm-hmm. commitment, dedication, time, money, um, a lot of things. But it gave me the confidence to say, you know what, if I actually really did set that as a goal, I could do it. Of course I could do it. Um, and, you and know, my next good. question was going to be whether you have confidence in sustaining your results. And it, you just answered that question. And I love that because you said before it was like, oh, yeah, I need to lose some weight now. You know, like we've all been there yeah. our whole lives. It's like, look at this. Every now and then you hop on the scale, like, ah, oh, well, how did I gain those 10 pounds? Yeah, where did that come from? <laughs> and, and you're in control. And, and, and yeah, we might, we might have done it in a kind of um, process oriented way but you know what it took to get there. You know what it felt like, you know what you ate on most days. Like if you had to repeat that without macro tracking, do you think you could do it? Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah. I'm asking you that. Like, do you think you could do it without the macro tracking now that you've been through it before once? I don't The audio cut out there for a second, but do I oh, think I could? Oh, that's do... weird. <clears throat> yeah. Do you think you could repeat a deficit now anytime with or without the macro tracking, knowing what it feels like and what it takes to do it? without it i don't know philip um i i honestly don't i hate to say i don't think so or that i couldn't mm-hmm. um because i don't want people to think like oh if, if macro tracking is not for you like you're never going to lose weight yep. uh i just think it's going to be a lot difficult and, and this actually i remembered halfway through this point of what i was going to say a little while ago um what you eat and what you fuel yourself with is in your control, right? You have control over that. Whereas a lot of these other factors that um, play into like maybe why you're having a difficult time losing weight or can't lose weight, like sleep and stress and hormones and all those other variables are a lot harder to control than what you actually eat. So if you can just say, you know what, like I'm going to make a conscious effort to eat these things I know these are going to fuel me appropriately for whatever my goals are. Uh, you can like start there. Whereas like 
um, stress, for instance, like maybe you have a really tough job, maybe you're commuting a lot, maybe I, maybe you have like a lot of things that you just have a harder time controlling. Not that those are things that you can't take charge of as well. I think you can do it all. Um, but baby steps, you have to, maybe the nutrition part of it is the easiest one to actually take control of. Um, yeah. I, I like the model, like anything is possible, but again, the, the tracking macros is, is just, a, it's an easy way to take control of the data. Yeah. It's a very effective tool. And <clears throat> I think, um, if you, if you apply planning ahead, which is what the, what the macro tracking does, right? Like you've get, you've been through a deficit, you know about what you eat in a given day and how it's distributed. You could conceivably create your own meal plan for that. And in the future, repeat that without necessarily tracking. And I just want people to be aware of that. That is a possibility. It might be a fun thing to challenge yourself with mm. in the future to get off of, because what I want people to know is you can get off of macros eventually if you want to. Yep. Um, I, I personally tra- have tracked macros for a year and a half now, and I just like to do it. It's a habit, but not everybody is like that. Right. So, um, the other things you talked about are, are the other areas that affect our nutrition that aren't food, right? Sleep and stress and things, and you can't change everything. Sometimes you have to cope. But what you just hit on is everybody's different. Everybody has their own like red flags and their own priorities. And it may not be food for somebody, but it's often food for, for most people. Right. Um, so now what about, let's talk about lifting for a little bit. You're, you know, you're a strong woman who competes, you like to lift. Um, you know, it's not anything I had to worry about educating you about in any way when we met. So how important is strength training to you and your ability to get results? Oh, it's super important. I mean, that for me, it changed my life. Like I think back in 2012, 2013, I was never like a super athletic person growing up. I played some sports, but I was the type of kid who like on the cross country team, my, my, I wasn't fast. And my friend and I would like run into the woods and we'd sit on a rock for like 20 minutes and be like, okay, it's time to run back. Um, I was definitely not like setting any records or anything like that. Uh, I think I tried out for like the softball team didn't make it. I did cheerleading. Ugh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I never was like super athletic. And then uh, I did CrossFit for a little while, hurt myself, still went to Planet Fitness and did things like that. And uh, I would go on bodybuilding.com and I would find like workout programs. Mm-hmm. And I I was like kind of a good squatter, just naturally. People were like, you're built to squat, whatever that means. Um, so I would just <laughs> go to the gym and squat every day, six days a week. And uh I got better and better at it, even though I look back at like old training videos when I first started. I'm like, oh, this is horrendous. But um, it was really fun and it built a community for me of people that were like me. And then a friend of mine, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, uh, she invited me to her powerlifting meet. And this, this was in Rhode Island. And I mean, you had women who were like 138, 48 pounds squatting like close to 400 benching close to 200 and pulling close to 400 at like a local meet which to me I was like this is crazy these women are Mm -hmm. so strong you know they're totaling almost a thousand pounds what uh can I do that so I joined a local gym um close to me and I mean made lifelong lifelong friends and and I started listening to another podcast too not just Phillips um about like strength and conditioning and like they they really 
like say strength is for everyone. And it, it really is. Um, and that was like one thing that I liked too, is like, you didn't have to have like a certain body type or mm-hmm. look a certain way to strength train. Um, it can be really intimidating when you first start going to a gym. Like I just think of a lot of those like commercial type of gyms, like it's like, all right, are people there to like, what are they really there for? Um, but in the, the actual lifting community that I joined, it was really, truly people that were just like, Hey, we like being strong and people that really got behind you when they would see you like lift big weight for you too. And it's all the other thing too, that I like about lifting is, uh, it's competitive, but like, it only really needs to be competitive with yourself. Like you can be competitive Mm -hmm. with yourself. You can keep getting stronger. You can keep making progress and it's not like a win or lose sport in, in that sense i mean it can be as you get like more elite but uh it's just it's a it's a really fun thing i I, yeah. I i love it it's fun it's part of what you do i think it's also of course been instrumental in your ability to to get your nutrition results as well because you've you know you make it easier to hold on your muscle and uh and prioritize fat loss which i think is important for people to understand even if they're not doing it at a power lifting level of lifting just right. getting that resistance training in on a regular basis. So so we're we're about to start a muscle building phase. First of all, are you worried about getting big and bulky? And no. second, how do you feel about that? Um no, <laughs> yeah. So phase. <laughs> uh that's like my biggest pet peeve of all like here women. People uh, one thing my previous coach taught me was like don't give advice just like it, it like advice is never free or it shouldn't be. Um because I've in the past like tried people have come to me and asked like oh I'm not losing weight or can you help me like you're so good at this stuff and I'm like I'm really not that good I'm not certified in any of this like I can tell you what worked for me in my experience but you should really probably work with a coach um and you know I I feel like every woman says like I just want to get toned I don't want to have big muscles and I'm like and me I'm like the opposite I'm like I want big muscles um like, it's hard, right? It's hard to get them. Like, yeah, like I want to be like stronger than your boyfriend or husband. Uh, somebody had a shirt like that at the gym. It was like, I lift more than your boyfriend does or something like that. I'm like, yeah. But uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's that's just my personality. Mm-hmm. Like I have nothing – like I've always – and I've never been like a super petite female. I weigh – my weight normally is like – my adult life has been around like 140 to 150 pounds. 150 pounds usually is pushing the like, all right, I'm not feeling comfortable in my clothes. Um, and I rem- I can like remember talking to a coworker, telling her like how much I weighed. I was like, yeah, I weigh about 145 pounds. And she's like, you weigh that much? Which like, don't say that to people. That's <laughs> not like, no like comment. I mean, I think the intent is good, right? But it's like, Right, she's saying. You mean she's he, saying you don't saying, look like you weigh that much. She's saying, "Oh, you like, look oh, that sounds heavy. That, that you sounds look heavy because I think like maybe the ideal size for a woman is right. less than that. Which, what whatever that ideal is, um, you know, you can be somebody who weighs 145 pounds and be like a, a rock, solid lean muscle, and you can be somebody who weighs 145 pounds and be like not." Uh, yep. You know, you could take two people that have the same body weight, maybe same height, but like have completely different body compositions. So in that regard, like weight doesn't matter. I mean, it matters for you individually because you know, your body knows like what is probably a good healthy weight for you to be. Um, and like, I'm not going to like, I'll just put it blunt, like mm-hmm. being overweight, being obese, 
not necessarily your BMI, but like if you are truly an unhealthy weight, like that's not good for your body. Our bodies are not designed to carry around all that extra weight. Our organs are not designed to sustain that. Um, If you want to live a long, healthy life, you should probably see if there's something you can do about that. Maybe. Yeah. I don't think there's anything controversial in what you're saying. We talk about this on the podcast all the time. No, I mean, there's, there's fat shaming and stuff like that and body and and the whole body image thing. That's like a different topic. But when we're talking about just blood pressure and and weight and stress on the joints and all those things, there's a factual component to it. And, and you're saying, you know, there's a wide range where you can be in a healthy weight and it's different for everybody. And if honestly, if, if I was working I would want every female client that started with me to actually want to gain weight first, but that almost never happens because yeah. everybody wants to get to what they think is their ideal weight. And even you wanted to lose weight. Let, let's be honest. Right. right? But, right. and that's okay too. I mean, I, I, myself, like I want to be leaner, but then I also have to spend time building muscle. So the mm-hmm. building muscle side of it is super important because until you do that, you're just, uh, you're never really improving your body composition. You're just kind of oscillating between, you know, a weight yeah. range. Those are good good points, Tyler. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I think we're 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 getting close on time here. Um, let's say somebody is listening; they feel overwhelmed about everything we're talking about. They don't know where to start. Like, what advice would you give them? Uh, you have to start somewhere, and you have to be serious with yourself. Like, if I think a lot of people struggle with actually setting goals and sticking to them, uh, don't wait. Today is as good as any day. Don't wait until. Oh, I'm going to wait till the new year. Um, just start. And even if that's just like, you know what, like I can't afford to pay for coaching right now or, um, like there's so much information out there that's free, whether it's a podcast or YouTube or a lot of these people who are coaches that have clients produce a ton of free content on their, their social media pages, their websites, um, that you, if you are truly interested in, learning about this stuff that you can consume yourself and you can probably teach yourself how to do these things. Like I said in the beginning, it's really not difficult. Uh, it's not, it's, it's not like super hard to do. Tracking macros is not a super hard thing to do. It actually makes the whole process easier. You just kind of have to bite the bullet and like try it um, and, and give it an honest effort and then make the determination after giving it an honest effort. Like, is this for you or is this not for you? Is it working or is it not working? Um, and then go from there. But I do think that if you have the means to pay for a coach, finding a good coach, it makes a huge difference. I mean, I, I've been working with a coach now for, well, Philip since July or end of June. Um, but before that, I was working with a coach for the past like year and a half. Um, so you might ask like, well, why do you, why are you going to keep paying for a coach or don't you know all of this stuff? And the answer is yes, I do know a lot of this stuff, but the accountability for me personally is huge. So maybe that's what you need to do too. Um, you put money on the line and you're more willing to stick with something and hold yourself accountable. Yeah. I couldn't say, have said any of that better myself. So I will leave it at that. Um, Tyla's wise words. Um, we've got great information on this podcast and many others. That's how I learned. I did a lot on my own before I decided to go out and be a coach. And I've also had many coaches myself and I still have coaches for training. I mean, we all need them uh, many times in our lives. And sometimes it helps us accelerate getting to where we want to get and, and helps us become more educated so that we can be more successful for the long term. So last thing, Tyla, where can people connect with you or any, any causes that you want them to support? Sure. I'm mostly active on Instagram. Um, my handle on there is at Tyla Ciro. 
Okay. We'll leave it at that. Are you, I didn't lose you, did I? At Tyler Ciro, Instagram. All right. So I'm going to include that info in the show notes. And I, I hope anyone watching or listening who feels like, you know, what they've done before hasn't worked, that they feel inspired, they feel empowered by your story today, because I think it shows, you know, you can, you can do whatever you want. You can take control, like you said, of, of the process and your results. And if you're committed to learning, right, if you're committed to learning what works, learning about yourself and focusing on it. Um, so you can do it on your own. You could accelerate it with a coach. You can see that someone like Tyla with tons of knowledge and experience, she, she's competed at a high level. She still faces challenges that we all face, you know, emotional eating, accountability, maybe some direction, guidance, um, those kinds of things. So if you found the discussion helpful or if you have questions for me or Tyla, just comment on the video, click the link in the show notes, or go to witsandweights.com, look for the Ask Philip section on the homepage, including questions for Tyla. You can throw them in there and I'll make sure they get back to her um, and we'll get back to you with an answer. So thanks again for supporting the show and listening to Tyla's story. Stay strong. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. Before you go, I have a quick favor to ask. If you enjoy the podcast, let me know by leaving a five-star review in Apple Podcasts and telling others about the show. Thanks again for joining me, Philip Pape, in this episode of Wits and Weights. I'll see you next time and stay strong. Hey, before you go, I want to let you know about a free resource I have. They are free guides on everything from fat loss to eating out to building muscle to managing hunger to figuring out the best macros for you and more being added all the time. You want to get the most out of these podcasts and your time to look and feel your best. And these free guides will give you a quick and easy way to know what to do. If you want to get your hands on these completely free guides, you can head over to witsandweights.com slash free. That's witsandweights.com slash free to get your free guides and level up your results today.